Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Another Friday in the jungle. JT with the Info Jim. Hope everyone's doing well today. We got a monster show. Busy show today. Hope to hear from the clones and get on in because it's a getaway Friday as we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket Ken, what a day today. We are trying to thread the needle with some great guests. You know how radio works. Some are trying to get in. I got a guy coming in from Italy, Jordan Schultz, who's an NFL, NBA insider. He's going to check in. The great quarterback, Joe Theismann, also a pretty good golfer. He'll talk about Tiger. Uh, Joe Theismann at the top of next hour. America's favorite sports gambler. Bill Krakenberger, who is fantastic on radio and podcasts, he'll tell you why most people lose money gambling on sports, and he'll teach you how to gamble correctly and how to possibly make some money. And also my friend Linda Cohn, who will join us from SportsCenter, 30 years She's hosted more sports centers than anyone. I checked in with her last night. She's been getting a lot of press for her great accomplishments. She'll join us in the final hour of the show. If you want to get in, do it now because we're loaded up. And I want to hear from the clones today on a couple of really big topics where you must have opinions on, especially Tiger Woods, 800-636-8686. So I'm fascinated today about Tiger Woods not making the cut. And the reason is why. It's very simple. You believe he's toast, he's finished, or you don't. Get off the fence. It's Tiger Woods. We're talking at a level of Muhammad Ali, Wayne Gretzky, Babe Ruth, the greatest athletes of all time. I believe he's the most dominant golfer of all time, but he won't be considered the greatest because he probably doesn't pass Jack Nicklaus. As I've said throughout my career, without injuries from Tiger and the issues that he had, some of the issues with opioids and the transgressions, I think he blows by Jack. I think he gets to 20 majors if you take out some of the mistakes that he made in his life, but we can't go back and fix that for Tiger Woods. Today was pretty emotional watching him walk up 18 at St. Andrews. He was tearing, clearly crying. I don't think that's it for Tiger. I think Tiger will play St. Andrews again when the rotation comes through for the Open Championship, but he might not. And Tiger Woods missed a cut at 9-over. Now, here's what fascinates me about Tiger. If anybody, raise your hand, beep your horn if you golf. And if you golf more than once a month. If you really like golf like I do and you play, I'll be playing later on today in San Diego, and I got a rule when I golf. I give it four holes. If I get out of the gate and the first four holes are par, par, bogey, par, which I've done, I feel great. I tell everybody. I take pictures of my drives. I send them to my dad. I'm thrilled that I'm one over after four. If not which is more cases than not, I find the bar cart. I go right to the cerveza, which I typically sneak on the course or have a cooler or my buddies, and we start fueling up because it doesn't matter what's going to happen the rest of the day. You see, with golf, you got to look at it two ways. You're supposed to have fun. You're not at work, right? You're not working. You're out with your friends. You're supposed to enjoy it. Now, if you're playing great, you get in the zone and say to yourself, man, am I going to shoot my best score? So you try to focus and play great. You make the turn. You're feeling good. You're kind of looking at your scorecard, wondering what you're going to score. Maybe you're going to have your best round. You're going to break 80. You're going to break 90, depending on who you are. And with Tiger Woods, what happened at the Open Championship is he played well. He had bad luck. He's not a bad golfer. This isn't the end of Tiger. It was a disastrous round because when Tiger, and we'll play some sound from yesterday, opened up on the first hole of the entire tournament, the Open Championship, 
he hit his ball into a fresh divot. And the tournament just started. The odds of landing the ball in a fairway divot after a beautiful drive, and then he hit it into the burn, and he was pretty much done for the tournament with a double bogey. Let's go back to yesterday. Here's Tiger Woods. Probably as high as course I could have shot, yeah. Um, didn't get off to a great start. Uh, had a good tee shot down one and up right in the middle of a fresh divot and <laughs> hit a good shot. And Wind gusts hit it and then end up in a burn and start off with a dub. So uh, I think I had maybe four or five three putts today. Um, just wasn't very good on the greens and every putt I left short. So uh, I struggled with hitting the putts hard enough. They they looked faster than what they were putting and I struggled with it. All right, so let's go over that. Bad luck. He got a six on the first hole, a dub as he called it, and the round was over. After that, he was toast. He couldn't get anything going. He hit some great drives where at the Open Championship at St. Andrews, the, the shots bleed out. They go another 30, 40 yards. He had bad luck. It didn't end where he wanted it to be. He had some tough chips, and the putting killed him because he had 60-foot putts, 35-foot putts. Good luck trying to lag those putts. More from Tiger yesterday on as he hit it, everything seemed to end up going wrong at the end. Uh, you know, I... I... <laughs> it feels like I didn't really hit it that bad. Uh, yes, I did have bad speed on the greens, yes. Um, but I didn't really feel like I hit it that bad, but I ended up in bad spots um, or just had some weird things happen. And just the way it goes. And, uh, Lynx golf is like that, and this golf course is like that. And uh, I, as I said, I, I had my chances to turn it around and get it rolling the right way, and I didn't do it. So he owned it. So I give Tiger Woods a lot of credit. Let's look back on this entire tournament. He went scorched earth on the live golfers. Greg Norman, he roasted him, right? He went there. He had the best press conference I've ever heard of Tiger Woods in his entire life. And he went up there and he set the bar high. And he, he was the moral police and said, no, I would not play live golf. And the live golfers destroyed him. Absolutely destroyed him, including Dustin Johnson. And the leaderboard has a lot of live golfers. So everything that could go wrong went wrong for Tiger Woods in the 150th anniversary of the Open Championship, played at St. Andrews, the golf course that he arguably loves the most, other than Augusta National. Now, what I want to know from you is, is he done? Do you think that under any circumstance, Tiger could come back, win a tournament, win a major, and get back to the point where he's at the top of his game? Because he's never going to be at the top when it comes to world rankings. He doesn't play enough. But do you think after watching Tiger the last two days shoot nine over, I think a lot of it had to do with bad luck. I believe sitting here, and I could be nuts and out of my mind, that Tiger Woods can go back to the Open Championship next year or the year after that at another course, make the cut, and be in the hunt on a Saturday. I mean, he's still just coming off the car accident and the rehab and everything he's working through. So I am not finishing off Tiger, Tiger Woods' career today in the jungle, but many of you are. If you look at social media with Tiger Woods, a lot of people are saying this is it. So earlier today, Tiger went over the bridge on 18, and everybody knows if you're not going to play again, you stop on the bridge, you turn around, and you stop. Tiger didn't stop. He walked over the bridge, lifted his cap, and kept moving. So that sent a signal throughout the golf world that Tiger's not done. He's probably He could have played his last round at St. Andrews professionally, but he's not shutting the door. Then the emotion as he walked down 18, as the crowd gave him a standing ovation, he teared up. 
was pretty incredible. Here's Tiger Woods after his round, missing the cut, talking about the experience. Anytime you get the chance to come back and play the old course um, in the open, um, it's just it's just special. It really is. And as I uh, said to Tim, I've been lucky enough to have been doing this since 1995. And... Uh, um, I, I don't know if I'll be physically able to, to play another British Open here at St. Andrews. I feel, certainly feel like I'll be able to play more British Opens, but I don't know if I'll be able to around, you know, uh, when it comes back around here. So um, the warmth and the ovation on, at 18, it, it, it got to me. Um, uh, and just the walk, you know, I, I felt the guys stop there off, off the tee on 18. And I, it, uh, it was just incredible, the just amount of, understanding and respect um, from all, all the people that are involved in, in this event that, that come out and support it, uh, the players, uh, the nods I was getting as the players were going out. Um, I looked over there and, you know, Rory gave me a tip of the cap. JT did the same. Um, it, it just, it's just, there's something to it that's just different. That's fascinating to me. And for all golf fans and sports fans, I hope this moves the needle today with you about the history of what he just said. He's probably not going to play there again. His friends on the tour came to him as he walked up 18 to tip their cap because they think he's done. But the question is, does he have another run left in him? You know, at the end in sports, it gets pretty ugly, doesn't it? Especially boxing. I'm a big boxing guy. At the end of Ali's career, at the end of every great boxer's career, what do they do? They stick around too long. As much as I'm not a big fan of Floyd Mayweather, I got to give him credit. He never got hit. He never was a guy who put his chin out to get knocked out. He beat everybody easily in his career, and he got out unscathed. If you look at Muhammad Ali at the end of his career against Larry Holmes, it was one of the saddest sporting events of our lifetime. He basically turned into a punching bag, and he couldn't defend himself. That's what happens in combat sports. You stay an extra fight. You stay in the octagon in UFC for one more fight. I mean, look at UFC now with all these old-timers and guys who have six, seven losses in their career. They're warriors. They go back for one more fight. They get knocked out in the first round. It's ugly. But they're still great fighters and warriors. Golf, you don't look at it this way. But when you shoot nine over in an open championship and you missed a cut that badly, a lot of people today are looking at Tiger Woods like that was his Muhammad Ali moment. Someone needs to throw in the towel at the majors and say you're done you've done it all you're arguably the second greatest golfer of all time you have to stop where do you stand on this 800-636-8686 how can you win a major golf tournament if you don't play golf how how could you win a major golf tournament if you don't play the scottish open the week before you don't play the john deere you don't play golf anymore Tiger Woods is telling us all that he's just going to rev it up to play in the majors. Well, that works at 29, 30, 31 coming off an injury. It will not work for Tiger Woods anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen today, but I can tell you this. I love golf. It was pretty emotional watching him come up 18. Everything went through my mind as a sports talk host. Is he done? Will he have another great run in his career? Is he done at that golf course? Do people count him out? All the fans there were pretty smart at St. Andrews, the birthplace of golf. They thought he was done. They basically said goodbye and said, we don't plan on ever seeing you here again. And Tiger Woods was tearing up emotionally. 
really a remarkable day today as Tiger is out. We'll give you a leaderboard update coming up here in a little bit as we get rolling. And if you don't want to call in, you want to do it via uh, Twitter at JT the Brick or at Jim Rome. Is Tiger done or not? Do you want to see him again in the majors? Do you want to see these ugly scores again? And do you think Tiger has anything left to win one more major? He can win a golf tournament, but it's going to be hard. And I think the big part of the story this week is the fact that the live golfers, Dustin Johnson, nine under, Taylor Gooch, seven under, Abraham Answer, five under, Patrick Reed, four under. And how about John Daly? And, we, and Rick's going to give us an update coming up here. John Daly's going to make the cut. John Daly's got a Santa Claus beard. He's drinking 12 packs. He's staying up all night with his son, partying over at St. Andrews, and he destroyed Tiger Woods. He is even par, John Daly. On the first hole, he hit like a 60-foot putt for birdie. John Daly, who people mock wearing his pajama pants, went out there and obliterated Tiger Woods easily. And believe me, John Daly's going to talk about that. Because he, people don't think he can win. He's going to make the cut here. Phil Mickelson is blowing up as we speak, I believe, four over. So Phil will miss the cut, too, as Phil's probably uh, not going to win a major again there. So we'll give you a leaderboard update coming up here in a few minutes. So as we wrapped up the show yesterday, the Phoenix Suns matched the Indiana Pacers' four-year contract offer, $133 million for DeAndre Ayton, clearing the way for Ayton to go back to Phoenix. This is a monster story today. Because now Aiton is going to stay in Phoenix at least till January, where he won't be able to be traded. And he's probably going to play another year with the Suns, who are the best team in basketball. The Warriors were not the best team in basketball. The Celtics weren't. They ended up in the finals. The entire year, it was Phoenix and everybody else. And it was Phoenix by a lot. And they're going to be able to roll this team out again. And probably Kevin Durant doesn't get to Phoenix now because of this deal. So the big story is Aiton, who wanted to go to Indiana, wanted to be their franchise player, he didn't get a max offer to stay in Phoenix. He got a max offer, which is less than he could have gotten Phoenix to go to Indiana, and the Phoenix Suns matched it because they had no choice. Because if they didn't match it, they would have lost the number one pick in the draft a few years ago, one of the best big men, and would have got nothing in return. No trade value, no draft picks, nothing. So Phoenix had no other choice. So if you're a Phoenix fan listening today or a Warrior fan or an NBA fan, what does this mean now for the balance of power in the NBA? Because we're looking at Phoenix now staying strong. I love this if you want to tear the Warriors down and you don't want to see the Warriors win another championship. I don't. I'm a Knicks fan. Why do I want to see the Warriors win another championship? I'm not a Warrior fan. I don't root for the Warriors. And if you're not a Warrior fan, you should love this move. This is a matchup problem for the Warriors. If Phoenix can get another player, keep Aiton with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, that's a tough matchup for the Warriors. Warriors couldn't handle Phoenix last year in the regular season, and Phoenix choked to Luka in Game 7, or we would have saw the Warriors and the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, and in my opinion, no doubt Phoenix wins that series. Phoenix didn't, they choked to Dallas, and the Warriors took care of business. I hope Draymond Green hears this and he goes off on his podcast because I thought Phoenix was clearly the better team last year. Now they're rolling this team back again, most likely without Kevin Durant because Phoenix can't move eight now till January. Holy cow what that does to Durant today. Durant is sitting at home somewhere, either in the Hamptons, he's somewhere in New York or on a beach going, wait a second, two weeks ago, two weeks ago on Thursday, 
He didn't, he didn't opt out. He's under contract for four years. He made it clear that he wanted out. And everybody, including myself, went nuts. It's going to be Phoenix or it's going to be Miami. So as of today, we should take Phoenix out of the equation. And now his last chance is to go to Miami if he wants to win. If he wants to win, Miami's the only door that's open this big. And Pat Riley is going to have to be the guy that kicks the door in. So now Pat Riley is sitting back in Miami going, this is pretty cool. I have more leverage now with Brooklyn when I call them. I'm not going to do a Rudy Gobert deal. I'm not going to give up four first-round Miami future picks. I'm not going to give up my entire team to do this. If Durant really wants to come, then I'm going to get a deal. So today, Durant has lost most of his leverage. What leverage does he have? And a lot of NBA insiders just believe that Durant is going to have to sweat it out and come back with Brooklyn. And Kyrie is going to have to sweat it out and come back to Brooklyn. So if you're a Brooklyn fan, a lot's changed here in the last two weeks, hasn't it? In the last two weeks, you're sitting here, if you're a Brooklyn fan, going, oh my God, we lost our entire team. Durant's leaving. Kyrie's leaving. No, that's not the case. Brooklyn is holding strong. They're not returning phone calls. They're making both of these divas sit back and sweat it out. And they should. As I've told you in the past, and I'll say it again, all athletes who are under contract should not have leverage. The owners and the general managers should have all the leverage. We have got to stop this insanity where athletes who are under contract for multiple years get the chance to say, I'm out. I don't want it here anymore. Get me out of here and trade me. No, sit your ass down. We're not trading you. We own your contract, and you're going nowhere. That's exactly what's happening today in Brooklyn. You can't hear a chirp out of Kevin Durant because he has no leverage. Kyrie, most of the GMs around the league think he's a nutcase. And they're not going to move for him anyway because of his contract, $36 million. And the place where he wants to go to, right here in Los Angeles, with the Lakers, the Lakers won Kyrie. But they have no way to get him. They don't have the money to do it because they're paying Russell Westbrook $47 million, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And they don't want to give away four years of first-round picks. Rob Palenka reportedly doesn't want to do that. So with all of this, I love what's changed in two weeks ago since I started here in the jungle for Jim. We've seen the roller coaster ride of emotion in sports. Athletes dictating where they want to go. GMs and owners pivoting and saying no or yes. Demanding trades, signing contracts, opting in and opting out. And that's why more and more people who come up to me and I talk sports with them, I ask them the same question all the time. Hey, what do you think of the NBA? And 50% of the people, half of them tell me I don't watch anymore. And I go, really? I love the NBA. What do you mean you don't watch? I don't like LeBron. I don't like him politically. I don't like China, Hong Kong, that deal. I don't like the way that they load manage. I don't like the fact that they don't play hard in the regular season. I don't like this juice box play-in tournament where at the end of the year you could be 10 games under 500 and we'll invite you into a play-in tournament to play basketball in the playoffs. More and more NBA fans that I talk to are turned off by the NBA. But the TV contract's still going to go up. Everybody's going to watch the playoffs because when the playoffs begin, the players bust their ass on every possession. Every possession is historic. Every team comes out and plays as hard as they can. The regular season, I don't know how you do it. When was the last time you went to a regular season NBA game and all the stars played in the game? You can't answer that. Any given night around the league, someone is out. 
someone is out because they're nursing an injury back, they're legitimately hurt, they're load management, managing, or they don't want to play. And they don't play hard in the regular season. That's why the Warriors are in an elite class. Every time you buy a Warrior ticket with Steph Curry, and even if you don't like some of the players on that team, and especially Draymond, they play hard and they play to win. The league has a big problem with player entitlement, where the players believe they're more important than the fans who pay their salaries, they're more important than their bosses, the GMs and the coaches, and they're more important than the owner. And I love what's happening to Durant and Kyrie. I'd make them sweat it out. I'd put them in the corner like a little whining baby. I'd take their bottle and rattle and toy away, and i say, you're not coming out until I tell you. And that's what's going on with Durant today. And I love it. And I'll admit when I was wrong. I thought the Durant deal would be done by now. I thought it'd be in Miami or Phoenix, and it looks like the door has shut in Phoenix. Wow, I'm looking at this leaderboard update. Smith at 11 under. Uh, Young at 10 under. And Dustin Johnson, who shot 67 at 9 under. Hey, DJ might be able to clip and get to Clara Jug. This is going to be an amazing weekend leaderboard, but there'll be no Tiger Woods. NFL training camps next week. Rookies reporting, then veterans. Countdown to Canton for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And there's a lot of NFL news out there. Uh, Last chance here with extensions when it comes to franchise tags and the ability to sign players long-term. There's only a few players out there, so not many quarterbacks or issues there with star players. But the NFL is here. And as I've said, I think Dan Snyder will not be here. I believe Dan Snyder will be removed as the owner of the Washington Commanders at some point coming up here. Uh, Roger Goodell's got a lot. He's got to deal with with Deshaun Watson. I expect the Deshaun Watson move to come down here in the next six to ten days after the independent judge and Roger Goodell will make that decision. As I said from the beginning, it'll be a year for Deshaun Watson. Anything else other than that will be big news. Uh, Tiger Woods is what we're talking about today. Can you still be a great golfer and have a bad couple of rounds? That's what I think happened with Tiger. Tiger didn't look injured. I mean, he's slower. Obviously, he's rehabbing that car accident leg. But the swing, the torque, the length, everything's fine. He just missed a couple of spots, a couple of obvious spots, and had a lot of bad luck there. I don't think Tiger is toast. And I don't think that Tiger's going to walk away playing at this level. I think that Tiger's just going to get back home, rehab more, lift more weights, play more golf, and put himself back. I mean, the great Tiger Woods is not going out this way. And the way he went out, nine over, good luck if you bet Tiger to make the cut. I mean, that was easy money. You wonder why the casinos keep their lights on 24 hours in Vegas. Do you know how many people rolled up to the window betting Tiger Woods? I talked to Jeff Sherman from the Westgate, and he said, Tiger, the amount of money still bet on Tiger Woods by people who want to throw money away, throw it away on bottle service if you're going to do that. On a $900 bottle of Tito's in the pool, not on Tiger Woods to make the cut. What a disaster that is. All right, let's start off with Chris in West Oakland. He always comes in big. Chris, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, JT. Glad to hear you in the jungle again, hosting for Rome, guest hosting. Uh, Real quick, I'm not a big golf guy so much, but I told you this two years ago, Tiger Woods is done. As great as he is, Father Time is undefeated. I don't think his body will ever allow him to get back. He'll never win another major. Maybe he wins one more. He definitely doesn't win the three or four he needs to overtake overtake uh, Jack Nicholas. And I just think there's – you know, I don't know why t- these casinos stay in business. 
There's nothing more pathetic than golf fans and Tiger Woods. They want this guy to be relative so bad, they completely gloss over the fact that he's won one major in 15 years, yet the majority of golf fans, every time the guy makes a cut, acts like it's Tiger Woods of 2003. That looks so, real quick, great hearing Damon, Damon Bruce on your show yesterday summed up what I've said for years about John Fisher. This guy's a complete scumbag. I could fill the whole three-hour show with a rant about this jackass. But he's right. It takes a special kind of negligence to do what John Fisher has done to the Oakland A's. And at some point, Rob Manfred has got to step in and do something uh, with, with what's going on in Oakland right now, other than let's reward this team for tearing it down, acting like the movie Major League, jacking your ticket prices up, then whining that nobody wants to come to the games. Uh, NBA free agency is my main reason for calling today. Uh, before I get to the bulk of it, I'm going to tell you again about you and this Phoenix Suns was the best team. You're wrong. Period. End of story. They were the best team in the regular season because Draymond, Steph, and Clay played 11 minutes together. Not 11 games, 11 minutes. As soon as they got healthy, they blew through the playoffs. They won the series in 5-6, five, 5-6. Six, five, six. They were up 3-0 or 3-1 in the first three rounds, and when they were down 2-1, they won the next three games against Boston all by double figures. They're cl- and at the end of the day, Chris Paul's Achilles heel is Steph Curry. He's good. Steph Curry to Chris Paul is what Michael Jordan was to Reggie Miller. It's why he'll never win a title. His window is closed the two years that the Warriors were hurt. So keep riding this train. The Warriors dismantled the Mavericks in five games and barely broke a sweat, and you still want to hold on to the fact that Phoenix was better than the Warriors. Regular season titles mean nothing in the NBA. Finally, uh, Kevin Durant. I don't know if I want him back here. The Warriors are going to win two out of the next three titles without him. If the Warriors get Kevin Durant, what that says to me, if they do go out and make this trade, that means Joe Lacob is going to put an expiration date on this group. You might win another two or three titles over the next four years, but then all your young talent's gone and you tear down and rebuild. Maybe that's what he wants to do after spending a half a billion a year in, in payroll money after the luxury tax. But the way it's set up right now, I just I want to see Steph Curry win a couple more titles, cement his legacy, let Durant stay in Brooklyn. Adam Silver's right. Just because these guys demand a trade, you don't have to honor him. If he doesn't want to play, let him sit out and sacrifice $55 million a year. We'll see how badly he doesn't want to be there. Finally, the rest of the NBA free agency. It boggles my mind the way these owners just throw money around in the decisions they make. Are you kidding me? Rudy Gobert for four players and four draft picks? Rudy Gobert couldn't score 20 points if you locked him in a gym by himself for an hour. I know the guy's a great defensive player. You're never going to win a title building a team around him. Now the Knicks want to go after Donovan Mitchell after paying money for Jalen Brunson. Yeah, good luck with two six-foot-one guards. Donovan Mitchell is a great player, but he's not... He's no better than a second or third player on a legitimate champion. But if the Knicks want to throw all their draft picks out around this guy and just be happy to make the playoffs and win around, go ahead and do it. But it's why only 13 teams have won NBA titles, 13 franchises, in the last 42 years, is that these general managers think they have to do something and they spend so much bad money, then five years down the road scratch their head and wonder, gee, why didn't this work? Well, I'm going to save the Knicks fans the trouble right now, and I know you're one. If Donovan Mitchell's your best player, you're never going to sniff a championship. Maybe if relevancy is all you want, and relevancy in New York is making the playoffs and winning around. Yep. But I just love watching these guys spend this money year after year after year, then watching organizations like the Warriors 
or even the Lakers, you know, way back when, are the ones that end up holding the trophy. Thank you, my friend. Have a great, uh, have a great weekend. And, oh, and to piggyback on uh, Damon Bruce yesterday, how about this one? War Sports Talk hosts that actually let callers talk anymore, like yourself and Jim. Thank you, my brother. I'll talk to you soon. We'd love to hear from people. That's interactive radio. I have enough opinions in the first 10 minutes to fill eight hours of radio. If you got a good call, you'll get on the radio. If you don't, it's the same thing with Jim. You're off the radio. Chris is fantastic. He gave you a lot there. He took a lot of oxygen in the room here. So everybody else, I'll get to you on the other side here. Look, the Warriors are not going to just show up and win titles. They're getting older. They got really good players, and all these other teams are trying to match them. And I think Phoenix did something special. I never would have got rid of DeAndre Ayton. If they were, they need a lot in return. So Phoenix did the right thing. They matched the offer. They have Ayton. He's a big man. He's only going to get better. He's super young, and he'll have some upside to rim protect against the Warriors. And Phoenix, they could get another piece. Devin Booker. Might be a top five player in basketball in the next two years. He's only getting better, but Chris Paul is on his way out. Maybe Clay's on his way out. Draymond's best years are behind him. There are other teams that respect the Warriors, but they're not shutting down their offseason saying we can't beat them. The Warriors are not the Jordan Bulls yet, but they're starting to look like it. And you heard from that fan. He's really confident. Jordan Schultz, NBA, NFL insider. So good to get you on the radio as I'm hosting in Los Angeles today. How's the Italian vacation going, my friend? It, it, it's going great. A little too much vino, a little too much pasta, but that's what it's for. And uh, it's always good to talk sports with you, my friend. Thank you for doing this. Uh, on a serious note as we open this up, I wanted to touch on something you know really close. The passing of Spencer Webb, uh, the yeah. tight end out of Oregon. And I want to make sure we cover this story. What a great kid. What a sad tragedy. Tell us about him. He was such a great kid, uh, JT. You know, he was 22, and for those who don't know, he was entering his fifth year at Oregon uh, as a tight end. I, I think he definitely would have played in the NFL. His story was was pretty inspiring. He's from the Sacramento area. I uh, had a really tough upbringing where he basically said, listen, my parents didn't have time for us. It was just my brother and me. And uh, he had overcome a lot. He was a great student, and we had become very good friends over the last few years uh, and died tragically a couple of days ago. Um, in a diving accident on a cliff, and I, I just I can't even describe to you the amount of sadness, given just uh, way beyond his football acumen. He, he was just a, a really great young man. Yeah, he was a great kid, and obviously it sent shockwaves throughout sports, especially college football in that great program. Yeah. Uh, as we unfortunately move on from that, what, what happened yeah. in Seattle with Baker Mayfield? It didn't cost a lot of money. Quarterbacks are $40 yep. million to $50 million now. Seattle had an opportunity to lock him up on a short-term deal. If he plays well, he's the franchise quarterback going forward. What are you hearing within the Seahawks, and why'd they pass on him? Yeah, my understanding was all along, JT, that Seattle was never really in the mix for Baker. That they, you know, there was some interest, but ultimately, when they made the trade for Drew Locke, they felt like, here's a young quarterback who's very inexpensive on a rookie deal. They also have Geno Smith, who they re-upped for about seven. And basically, they felt like they wanted to address other needs and try to find a way to turn Drew Locke potentially into a franchise quarterback given he's 24 years old and they didn't like him coming out of Missouri, uh, although he was drafted like Denver. So you, you consider that the fact that so Mayfield comes in at about 18.7, but Cleveland ate some of that and he obviously took less money to go to Carolina. But 
ultimately Scott Fitter, the GM of the Panthers, and Matt Rule, the head coach, um, really liked him. Matt Rule coached against him when he was at Baylor in the Big 12, and I think they felt like Baker Mayfield, given how cheap he is, to your point, is really a risk worth taking, and it's not a huge risk considering he's only 27 and he was the number one pick. So ultimately, yeah, I was a little surprised that Seattle didn't make more of an effort, but my understanding was they felt comfortable enough with Geno and the fact that Drew Locke was someone they did like a lot coming out of Missouri a few years ago. Jordan Schultz joins us. He covers the NFL and the NBA at a really high level. Wanted to ask you about DeAndre Ayton. You saw that the Phoenix matched the deal with Indiana. I like the move for Phoenix because – Look, they wanted to get Durant. Now they can't do it at least till January. I think the door closes on Durant and Phoenix. What are you hearing with your sources there? Because I don't know if Sarver wanted him or not, but Aiton, is he going to be happy knowing that he didn't get maxed out by Phoenix? He got the offer from Indiana, and Phoenix now gets a deal with him? I, you know, I, I wasn't entirely convinced that Phoenix would match, and I thought it made a tremendous amount of sense for Indiana, considering that, you know, they, they probably would end up, probably would have ended up moving Miles Turner. They have Halliburton there. They have Duarte. They have some young pieces that they really like. And ultimately, Aiton, at the very worst, would have been a top-five center, and he's got all NBA potential, former number one pick himself. So the fact that Phoenix match was always the right move, in my opinion, but it necessarily wasn't necessarily something I expected. Will he be happy there? I'm not sure. I mean, if you consider the fact that they have really – had tremendous success over the last two seasons. They go to the finals, and then they win a franchise record 64 games, and then they flamed out in the second round at Dallas. But ultimately, they have done an unbelievable job building this team, James Jones, the GM. But I never felt like they've taken care of DeAndre as much as Book and CP, and especially given his, his youth. So I don't know if he'll be happy there, but I think it's a it says a lot that they matched it, given that, I think most people around the league and most people I talk to in terms of front offices weren't convinced that they would. Jordan Schultz, as we wrap it up. So what happens with Durant now? I got to think Pat Riley's looming. The leverage is gone for Durant. What what is Brooklyn thinking now as they're taking calls from Pat Riley down in Miami? Yeah, so my question is, and I would throw it back to you, JT, is does Miami have enough if it's a hero, Duncan Robinson, two or three pick swaps, four picks, is that enough to get Kevin Durant? Yeah, Is he 33? Yes, but he's still a top-five NBA player. And when you consider that, to me, Brooklyn shouldn't trade him, and they should throw everything possible to salvage it, given that they have built this entire roster around him and Kyrie. Now, whether or not Kyrie's there, I I think is anyone's guess. But I think the longer it goes on, the less I feel like Brooklyn trades him. You mentioned Pat Riley. Pat Riley is as aggressive and, and, and experienced as they get. So to me, he will do everything possible, everything, to get Kevin Durant, knowing that you could build a championship contender with him and Jimmy Butler. And I don't think Bam would be included in that deal either. So ultimately, to answer your question, I just don't think Miami has enough to get him. And one follow-up with that. You come from a big business background. What's wrong with salvaging a relationship. Where are we right, in 2022 right. where you can't put a deal back together and Brooklyn goes to Kyrie and Durant and say, cool off, enjoy the Hamptons, Kyrie, enjoy L.A. You guys look like you're in great shape. We're going to make a big run here. Let's get going again. Can this be salvaged or do these two players have such big egos that they right. feel like they're going to lose if they go back to Brooklyn? 
I think that's a great, great question. And, you know, one of the things that players ultimately care most about JT is regardless of the sport, you could argue as much as anything in the NBA is, am I being valued? And you mentioned Aiden earlier. You know, I talked to DA yesterday. He wants to be valued. Kevin Durant is the same, especially considering his, you know, status in the Pantheon. And these are players, Aiden, Kyrie, Kevin, whether or not you like them, you have to respect and value them, and the organizations need to do that first. So for Kevin, I don't think it's any secret that, you know, Rich Kleiman, his business manager, who I've worked with and I love, he wasn't thrilled about Kevin potentially leaving. That doesn't mean that you can't salvage it. To me, Brooklyn needs to do everything possible to convince Kevin this is the best place for you, short-term and long-term, for your career. At Schultz underscore report. Hey, Jordan, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it, especially I didn't know you were on vacation to take this no, time. It's my pleasure. A lot. Appreciate it's a, it. It's a, good re, it's a good reprieve from all the Italian soccer. I, I'm, I'm thankful. Thank you. Take care, my friend. Jordan Schultz, really got a cool background. If you haven't heard him much, you're going to be hearing a ton from him. He covers two sports. He has tremendous sources. We had on Ari Mirov yesterday, another guy who's got sources. I hope you're enjoying these guests we're getting. We're bringing in some cool people from different walks of sports here, and they've really added a lot to the show. He just spoke to DeAndre Ayton yesterday, and that's why I wanted to get him on today as Ayton will stay back in Phoenix. Uh, if you want to get through, tweets are coming in. Rhino in Sacktown, JT, that Tiger take Chris regurgitated was garbage. Please thank him for using most of the oxygen in the atmosphere for that long-winded take. Vince, garbage. Chris from West Oakland with the best quote I heard on sports shows, sports talk lately. Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert couldn't score 20 points if you locked him in a gym by himself. I'm still laughing. <laughs> Mike in Staten, Italy. Mikey, how are you? Did you rip up that tiger? That tiger bet, a tiger making the cut? How are you? Hey, JT. Well, you know, 2008, he wins the U.S. Open. We go 11 years, and he comes back. He was down two strokes, and he wins the Masters in 2019. I do not bet against that guy. I won't bet. I'll bet with him. But, you know, I took a pass on it uh, here, JT. Hey, JT, I I put a little flyer on Dustin Johnson right now at plus 1,100. Mm-hmm. But, JT, you know what I love about the 150th anniversary of the British Open? David Duval and John Daly are in the tournament. <laughs> How outstanding is that? It looks like Daly's going to make the cut. He's insane. It's great. Hey, JT, a little flyer on the Bills, plus 650, and Ooh. the Raiders, plus 4,000. The line's coming down. Thanks, Mikey. Appreciate it. Sharp Gamblers. I talk to a lot of gamblers because I live in Vegas, and we put gamblers on the radio. If you're a gambler and you got a sharp pick, always come on in. Want to hear from you, 800-636-8686. Again, the amount of people who give their money away gambling on sports is remarkable with idiotic bets. On Tiger Woods is the best example, maybe of our lifetime, on people lining up to bet on Tiger Woods to make the cut to win with incredible odds. It's been a long time since he's won a major. You know, he got 2019 with the Masters, but the 11-year break before that, I was there in 2008 at Torrey Pines when he won, and the casinos just really reel it in because everybody lines up to bet Tiger. Good night, no! 